0: Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. My name is Colby Drost. I'm the president and founder. Paragon Sports Consulting is a player advising firm helping players of the ages of 14 to 20 navigate their path to college hockey. Today's guest is uh, the director of scouting, also co-owner, founder, Brendan Collins. Brendan uh, went to Holderness Prep School in New Hampshire, where I actually attended. Uh, he went to Conn College, uh, Connecticut College, where he was a double major, uh, he coached high school hockey. He went on to coach at Castleton College, um, and he started his scouting uh, career at USHR uh, outside of recruiting at, at the uh, collegiate level, and it all kind of led into uh, Neutral Zone, being a you know what he is now kind of scouring uh, North America, you know players all over a junior midget prep. Um, so yeah, thanks Brendan for coming on. Uh, how are you doing with uh, COVID, and what have you been up to?
1: Good. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, we've been kind of playing catch up here at Neutral Zone. We get behind uh, during the season. So the first month of COVID uh, was actually, you know, not terrible for us. We were able to get our rankings up for all the different CHL drafts and then get caught up on scouting reports. Um, And then the last couple months, we've just been, you know, organizing the database, uh, watching more film on some guys to get prepared for the upcoming year. And And now the last month, uh, since hockey's been back in certain states and provinces, we've been hitting the road really hard. So it's actually been pretty busy for us recently.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, before we kind of dive into this, you mentioning film, I always get questions. and, And I know, you know, a lot of college coaches use it to kind of subsidize their viewings and things like that you know what is your opinion on you know when you watch a player on film is it kind of just a backup your your initial in-person reports sometimes do do you get a pretty good feeling off a film I'm just curious because uh you know parents are always asking and kids are you know obviously kids are should I make a highlight film whatever different kind of situation but you know as a as a professional scout I mean what is your take on film and what is your opinion
1: yeah for sure I mean I think it depends um depends on a lot of different things. One, I would say, it depends on the quality of the film. Um, if you're doing NHL draft work and you're watching CHL games on high definition, you can get a pretty good sense. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not as good as in-person scouting. Um, but sure. I, I think that's, that's decent. Uh, but as you get lower levels, worse uh, video quality, I don't know how helpful it is. So where, where we use video, is pretty targeted. We don't use it for anything outside of junior hockey. um, And we use it for players that we already have in our database that we already have seen in-person scouting. We use it as a follow-up. So a lot of times, you know, in our process, we'll go to the early tournaments, you know, the showcases in the beginning of the year, we'll pack it with several scouts. They'll do their reports and then we'll go back at mid mid year, usually like in January, February to follow up. And then like playoffs end of the year, we'll follow up with video. We'll try to, you know, see if they've made improvements, see if there's anything we can go, you know, go on. But I think it'd be dangerous to, to, you know, really rely on video scouting as your primary. I think it's gotta be a secondary and, and maybe even less than a secondary source. Um, but yeah. I know in the NHL scouting, Ian does uh, video with the CHL. The quality is really good. And that, like, in that regard, I think it's maybe a little more helpful, but overall it's got to be a, a distance secondary.
0: Yeah. I, I always said either like an introduction just to get a first look and, and before you go see someone, or even just like you said, the backup stuff, And maybe you, you have all these reports that have some kind of trend and, and maybe you can see that in video or, or whatever, but I guess before we get into neutral zone and, and just explaining what it is and how it works, I guess like, you know, how did you get into scouting or the love of scouting and, and what do you like about working for, you know, again, I would consider, and maybe, you know, you consider it something different, but independent scouting site, right? You guys are scouting all different levels, yes. no, no, a uh, direct affiliation, I guess, kind of fill us in uh, how that's all started.
1: Yeah. So uh, when I was coaching at the high school level, um, it was, it was fun you know, it was, it was nice to be, uh, on that side of things but the, the kids in, in my high school town anyways they, they don't really care about hockey they're just kind of doing it for fun so I felt like as a coach I was spending more time and I cared more about it than the players I was like okay I gotta I gotta go with more serious level players so that's when I started coaching the college level the college level was fun and that you know the kids cared a lot and they put a lot into it um but you know, for our school anyways, and I'm sure everyone's got their own struggles as coaches in the, in whatever league they're in. But for us, we were kind of a small school. We were kind of, you know, middle of the pack, bottom. So we'd have a relationship with a kid for four months. I'd go and see him and and really like the player and try to recruit them to the school. And then one of the top programs or a bigger program would come, you know, one or two weeks uh, of a relationship. And then the kid would sign with them. And I, you know, I didn't hold it against the kid. You know, better school or better opportunity but it was frustrating and I was like I don't I don't really like having to um scout for a particular place like I I really enjoyed being in the rink and like identifying talent and and that but but then having to like be on the phone all day and and dealing with you know trying to get the kids and getting transcripts and people to to uh you know apply to the school and dealing with financial aid it was just like I'm I don't want anything to do with that. So. Yeah. After that experience, um, USHR was looking for a scout at the time. And so I, I sent an email and, and uh, started working there and I loved it. I, I love the fact of not having to have any um, like the independent side of things, not having to like make a phone call. I didn't care, you know, if, if the kid wanted to play in the USHL or if he wanted to play prep school. I, I had no you know, bearing on the kid at all. I just went and watched the games, scouted the talent, you know, identified what, what he did well, what he didn't do well, submitted my report, and that was it. I didn't work for anybody. I didn't uh, have any allegiances or ties to anybody, and I, I really enjoyed that. That was really fun for me. So when when uh, the hockey world at that time, um, I kind of saw an opportunity, you know, given with, with what other sports are doing with kind of a star rating system and kind of a national presence where USHR was excellent, but it was really new England based. And I thought maybe we could do something bigger on a bigger scale. Um, So that's kind of how, what led into neutral zone, but that, that, you know, my passion for scouting and really on the independent side is that I don't have to have any allegiances. I don't have to, you know, answer to anybody in regards to a college or or a junior team. I don't, I don't have to recruit a player. That's going to fit a specific role. I'm just there to identify in
0: rank, yeah, I think that's awesome, and, and obviously, whenever I see in the rank, I mean, you always have all kinds of colleges, all kinds of junior teams asking you about guys, and it's kind of a it's a resource to everyone, right? And I think a lot of parents, even you know, and we'll get into like members and things like that, but for anyone that doesn't really know or, or understand maybe what an independent scouting site is, and obviously Neutral Zone specifically you know, give us the the brief kind of skinny on it. Like what, what is the goal of neutral zone? What is it? How does it work? And then we can get into details on all the different things like star ratings and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, neutral zone was founded because we felt that players um, that like the real goal, I mean, independent scouting as a whole, I would say is the industry is to rank and evaluate players by an independent, unbiased, you know, neutral party, so it's not your coach, it's not your uh, youth organization, it's not a college team that's got a vested interest. It's just an independent agency that's going, you know, with hockey professionals to watch the player and evaluate and rank compared to other players either in the league, other players in the birth year, you know. However, that agency works. For us, we founded it based on we felt there's a lot of players that were at a disadvantage because they didn't have the resources or, or the know-how of kind of where they stood against other players across North America. So they might accept a scholarship that was lower that maybe they could have done better. They might have been better off going to a Division three school than a Division one school, or maybe shouldn't have signed a CHL contract because they're not quite there yet. So we saw an opportunity to say, okay, we can we can give the players a better perspective on where they, you know, you know, where they rank against other players around North America. And we can also give the coaches, agents, you know, um, scouts, an idea of like, okay, you, you know, you guys are based in Wisconsin. Okay. So these players in Wisconsin are really good. And maybe you know how they are compared against Minnesota, but you don't know how they compare against Western Canada, New England, Quebec. So that that's where we, kind of found our niche as you know how we're kind of defining our independence but I think the industry as a whole is just neutral parties independently scouting players you know based on on their metrics
0: yeah I think too for people don't and I you know some of these great junior organizations like tier two tier one whatever like they run really well but their budget for scouting isn't always the greatest right so they're relying on you know independent scouting sites advisors coaches youth coaches whatever and you know i think what people don't realize is like neutral zones another resource for them right instead of you know spending $1000 on a weekend maybe they you know they have to right cuz they have to figure out a plan to, to kind of scour uh, the US or Canada but they can you know use your report to kind of subsidize a weekend or something like that so it's something and i think kind of going off of that talking about the organizations and teams you know, I, I know you can't list specifics, but, you know, give people an idea of what kind of members you guys see. You know, I know you guys have parents and players, but, you know, organization-wise, like what kind of leagues do you guys have as members right now? Uh, you know, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so we, we do it on an individual basis, team by team. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And uh, we have, you know, the majority of, uh, you know, the CHL. We have the majority of, of NCA and D1 and D3, both men's and women's. Um, I'd say we probably have half of the NHL, um, and we have you know a lot of junior hockey is kind of hard to break down, but we have most junior hockey programs. I would say that are at the tier one, tier two, and probably higher end tier three uh, level. Um, Agents, advisors, and then um, independent scouts uh, use this as a resource too. So it's. that side of things is, um, you know, I think our price point's pretty inexpensive for them. And depending on who you, you know, I don't want to speak for the different uh, schools or, or scouts and what they use it for, but um, what I've heard most from, from colleges, what they like is that they can look up a player that maybe they're seeing for the first time. They can go look up his, his star rating. They can look up his scouting reports and maybe they don't know the player, but they can go and look and say, okay, They've been on this kid for three years and this is kind of how this kids developed I if we've gotten one kind of uh, consistent I don't know if you'd say compliment or feedback it's probably better feedback is that that's where a lot of the the Scouts use our service or wh- what they like the most
0: yeah that's awesome I think you know there's just so many players today and you guys which I think is remarkable is somehow I mean you guys get around everywhere um, I guess you know, when you're watching that many players, and I mean, I know you especially, I know at one point you're in, you know, Bantams in Alberta and next thing you know, you're at the NA and things like that. I mean, what are some like general pillars of, of, I guess, neutral zone that's kind of spread across whether you're a scout, director of scouting, you know, when you're looking at younger players, older players, obviously you're also looking at Division One prospects. You guys also rate Division Three guys, prospects. I mean, with your star rating, I mean, what, what are some things that you're looking at every time you're in a rank and, and watching players? I mean, general pillars of that scouting process?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I would say, you know, first for us at Neutral Zone, like the big process is really important for us. So we have regional guys that are dedicated to – a particular region, let's let's say um Minnesota, we'll have somebody you usually in a state like Minnesota, we'll have several people, and then they're gonna report uh to a you know a regional scout that's gonna be say the Midwest potentially, and then that Midwest person's gonna report to myself or Murph um or Marlin if it's Canada. So you know, a pillar for us is just from a process standpoint is you've got to have multiple eyes on these kids. Uh People that know them very well, that know a lot about a small amount of players, the regional guy, or and, or people like myself who know a little bit about a ton of players. You got to be able to lean on those scouts, and you got to hire guys that really know what they're doing. Because if you don't, then then you're going to have inaccurate uh, ratings. So, so from from process standpoint, I'd say that's from us. Um, from what we're looking at in players, I think it depends a lot on the age group. You know, at the, at the younger levels, I just came from. Um, watching a lot of o 4s o 5s even o 6s last week. And, like, in that level of play, it's all about skill because there's so much open ice. And it's just, like, how many plays can you make? Um, it's a little tricky because some kids have hit puberty, some kids haven't. So, you you've, you know, you got to navigate through that. But it's a lot about making plays and skill. And then as you get, you know, the older and older you get, the better and better the level, you got less and less space. And the game changes, and it's not you know not all the offense is created on the rush. Um, defenders actually have to defend, and and uh, you're watching how players do in traffic, uh, how they do in tight situations. Their brain matters a lot more because they have to make split-second decisions. Um, whereas if you're a Bantam or a U15 player and you have a lot of speed and some skill, your brain probably doesn't matter as much at that point because you got a ton of open ice and and you're you know better than the other players you're playing against once you're playing against all players who are say the ushl as you know yeah um, haven't been in that league like everybody can skate everybody's strong you know it yeah so hockey sense starts mattering a lot because you you don't have the time to make a decision you have to do something split seconds your instincts and your kind of a general awareness of what's going on will separate you more and more but it's it's tough to evaluate hockey senses and you know ban them when the kids got all the time in the world to make plays
0: yeah and i think that that's sense. yeah like the in the beauty of hockey is like development happens for kids very differently and obviously some kids top out but when you're when you're uh you know you have until you're 20 to kind of get the most out of your potential it's it's so really interesting to see how all the kids are really different. I don't think – I think sometimes parents don't understand, like, hey, you got time on your side, and that's that's the best part of this. And I think you've kind of touched on I mean, obviously, the IQ piece. But, I mean, you know, when you're looking at, like, forwards, defense, and, and maybe not so much goalies – I know you guys have a goalie scout, but if you had to pick, like, three or four kind of baseline things, like, you know, you touched on IQ – I mean, how important is skating for you guys, like, like strength, like whatever else? Uh, you know, are there any kind of things where it's like you need to have these, in your opinion, to, to kind of climb the ladder?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think from a – I'd answer this in two different ways. I think from every scout is going to have an inherent bias of what their – what kind of principles of a player matter the most. So that's, it goes back to like the process. I, I think it's really important to have multiple eyes on these guys because I, you know, I probably have a, a slight skating bias. I'm big on skating. If you can skate really well to me, that, that bumps your grade up quite a bit. Sure. Somebody else's grade might be toughness or character or someone else might be, you know, hockey sense, you know, whatever the individual scouts. So it's good to get multiple opinions on that same player. Um, But if if I was to pick, you know, three as a forward, I would say, you know, instincts, I put that in with hockey sense, but instincts, I I think more of like as a split second um, decision. How do you read plays? Skating? Absolutely. And then, you know, puck handling at, at a level of, with pace, you know, and in traffic and being able to navigate in tight areas, especially at the higher levels. I think that's, all, all the other stuff, I think you can kind of teach or develop, you know, you can get a harder shot. You can, you know, learn how to play defensive zone coverage and, and improve in those areas. But those three, and then for defensemen, I, it's the same thing. Instincts, you got to be able to read the play, know where to be on the ice, how to break up plays, um, anticipation. you got to be able to skate. Uh, my, in the game today, I think it's more important that defensemen can skate than even forwards. Um in the kind of the transitional nature of that position, uh, and then a third thing for them, I, I think you got to be um, competitive. You got to be able to uh, to want to get the puck, w- win battles. I mean, you have to have that in all you know forwards as well. But I think for defensemen, you have to really have that. Where forwards may, maybe their top gear to get them excited is scoring a goal. Defenseman's top gear has got to be I want to take the puck away from that guy. Uh, you know, I want to transition yeah. up the ice. Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, that'd be. Be it for me, but overall, Colby, like, and I say this to our scouts all the time. I, I think you have to have, if you want to get to the next level, just as a general thing, you have to have distinguishable skill sets. You've got to have something that a coach or a scout can look at you and say, Yeah, I can, I can do something with that. You know, and at the higher levels, it's very specific. Like the calls I get from CHL GMs or um NCAD one coaches is it's very specific. I'm looking for a left wing who's six two or taller and plays like mean and is physical. So they're looking for a very specific player. At the division three level, at the junior level, it may it might not be as specific. It might be, you know, they're just looking for the best players they can get their hands on. But I think if if you have some, you do something really well. There's going to be a role for you because every hockey team's got you know you don't have 20 Sidney Crosbys on the ice. You're going to have one or two on a team. The rest are going to have to fill specific roles. So, uh, to me, I think you know the players that I see that make it are players that have a distinguishable skill set that can a coach can look at and really develop. I yeah. feel I can develop the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, like like I mean, there was a great article. This is like I think it was like three years ago now. Guy Gadowski talked about like having a special talent too. Like like you either can score goals or you compete your you know butt off things like that. Like you do something special, and I think too like. I think a lot of parents don't understand is like, you know, it's okay to be like like a defenseman. Like you can be a two-way defenseman that's boring, but be really good at it, be consistent, be reliable. And like Division one programs need that, right? And then it's just a matter of how good are you at it to see if you are a Division one player. So I think what you're hitting on is like college programs need different types of players. And as soon as you realize like what you're good at, like be the best that you could be at it, right? I mean, would you agree? or
1: No, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, the market right now, probably with the success of, of uh, players like Kiel McCarr and Quinn Hughes, and, you know, from a defenseman standpoint, probably the kids are looking at it saying, Oh, I, I want to be like those guys. And, and for sure, there's a premium on power play puck moving defenseman, but you would rather be the number one stay at home D than the number, you know, 45th best puck moving defenseman. Sure. So like, you know, yeah. Is the, do they want, is, is there a premium on, on the, skilled defenseman for sure but if you're not the elite at that then you got to find a way to, to to make a name for yourself make a role for yourself and and the kids who play honest defense there's a role for them like people say they're getting phased out but I don't know I mean St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup last year with a lot of stay-at-home tough you know mobile defensemen so I I don't, yeah, know. Nice. I don't know if I believe in, in that trend
0: yeah, and I think, like, what gets lost in this is, like, people say stay at home. And, like, obviously D-men have become more, like, modernized, right? Like, so, yeah, you are stay home, but the stay home defenseman today can still skate, right? And he can still make plays, you sure. the puck. It's not, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it got to be a guy who can't skate. He cross-checks you and, you know, whacks you or whatever. It's like, no, everything's become modernized. I think that's what gets lost in this, and it's just figuring out what that role is. And I agree with you. Like, if you're not going to be – even the kid in midget hockey, like – you know, you're the defense, when you put up 50 points, you know, maybe the way you play, that's not going to be, you know, you're not gonna be able to do that at the junior level. Right. And then, you know, you get up there and you, you got to realize and adapt to maybe what you're going to actually be at the higher levels. Right. Uh, I think sometimes kids struggle with that. Uh, But I get kind of bringing it back to like neutral zone and just to get in a little bit more before we talk about like your experiences and and seeing with kids going up the ladder, I think maybe you could touch on, like, I know the star rating is a huge piece to your website. Like maybe just walk us through, you know, nothing in crazy detail, but just kind of give people that listen to this an idea of how that works. And, And maybe if their sons rated a certain, you know, star rating, like gives them an understanding.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, the star rating system is is from uh, you know rivals in football and basketball, and some other sites are, are in, in baseball. Star rating system really is based on how does this player compare to other players um, in their age group. So hockey's by birth year, but other sports would be by you know what what grade you know what grade are they in school. Um, So what we do in our star rating process is we'll go send our scouts. We have over 75 scouts. We'll send them all over the road. They'll be generating reports and sending us the reports. Those reports will have a grade on it of how that kid did specifically in that weekend's event or that particular game they saw or showcase. So it's not based on how they are overall as a player, just their performance in that. And then every, you know, four to six months, myself, uh, Murphy, um, uh, Marlon, we'll sit down and we'll go through, okay, this is what our regional guys think of these players. And they're, they're sending, you know, the, the, say the Minnesota guy is sending his rankings of all the different birth years of all these, of all the players. And then we take it and say, okay, what do we think? We've went and watched these kids. We've seen them at their, you know, state tournaments or national camps or whatever. How does that kid in Minnesota compare to this kid, in Massachusetts? And we start going through our list. And then once we put together, usually about 300 to 500 players, then we can start saying, okay, th- these are the two best kids. These are five stars. There's a drop off to the next best. Okay, that's a four seven five, and you kind of go down the the road uh, from there. And then our star rating system, basically a three a, a three five and above is a player who has potential to play NCA division one or in the CHL and a kid who's 3.25 and below is probably a tier two junior player and a division three, like a high end division three player might be a bubble kid. Um, and then like three star to kind of 2.5 is your tier two, tier three junior player, mid range to lower range um, division three player. Um, probably couldn't play in the CHL, um, and we don't really go
0: below that. So, like, you know, kind of bring it full circle on this. So, you know, if someone logs in a team, parent, whatever, and, you know, you see a player, and and obviously there's guys that have 10 reports, and there's guys that you guys have seen maybe just once or twice – I mean, to give an understanding of why, like, if you see someone once, you could have caught them on a very average to below average game. And obviously you're not going to have the greatest report. Right. And then a kid where you guys have had a chance to see him 10 times, you know, you're going to see good reports, you know, maybe it's good all the way through, but you might see good, bad and ugly. Right. And I think kind of give people an understanding of like, it's a body of work and, and you know, why it's like, Hey, you, it's just scouting, right? Like there's going to be good reports. and There's going to be bad reports, maybe kind of, touch on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I'd say a couple things on that. One, um, for people that have low report, I get this from, from a lot of the college guys. they will say, Hey, well, you know, I can only see two reports on them and they'll usually call us or talk to our scouts and get more info. Typically we know more about that kid than the two reports. So like there's a lot of reports that come in that we don't post um and that can be for a lot of reasons um but so we have a database of all these kids and sometimes a scout won't do we'll say hey i could only go to one day at this tournament let's say i can't do a tournament report but i'm going to fill i'm going to fill in on the database which isn't public it's just for our internal scouts what i saw what i thought of this kid and whatever um so we don't give a star rating uh based on say one or two viewings so uh I would say that part. And then the other part of it would be, to what you're saying, the star rating changes a lot throughout a player's career, hopefully, and hopefully it trends upwards. Um, so we we usually don't get into star rating kids that are 14 or sometimes 15. We start because of all the drafts, but 14-year-olds is, other than the WHL draft and, and like the exceptional U.S. and Canadian players, we pretty much just evaluate them and don't put a star rating. Once you get to 15, 16, you start getting uh, the star rating in the system. And obviously, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Colby, like some kids are good midget players and they adapt at the junior level and they, and they grow and their star rating goes up and up and up. The star rating change, you know, is updated usually every four to six months. Then you got other players who are great midget players, high school players, whatever. And once they get into junior where they have less time and space, um, they can't adapt and they can't figure it out. And then their star rating goes down. So it, I would say it's, it's a, it's a body of work, like you said, and it's something that's, that's moving. I wouldn't get overly, if I was a parent or a player, I wouldn't get overly um, distracted by what the star rating is. It's just giving you a spotlight of this is where, you know, um, you stand today.
0: Yeah. And I think and then one, then, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, i was just going to say, hopefully you can, if you don't like it, you know do something about it prove us wrong i love being proved wrong in the, in a the good way and uh and if you're high i wouldn't get cocky about it either because there's a lot of kids who aren't happy with it or, or you know scouts or whatnot and so that those kids those three two fives those threes they, they're working extra hard to prove they're going to be fours someday so
0: yeah and i think too like it's it's all again scouting is obviously you could have 10 people go watch a kid and have similar reports and opinions but at the end of the day that's what it is it's opinions and you guys might your scouts might have a a collective opinion on a player and like some college or junior team has has the opposite right so at the end of the day there's no end all be all but it's uh like I said it's it's like you said like just play your best and then like you guys are just doing your job and putting reports in and Trying to stick to your process that that you guys do, and and I think kind of moving into the last piece of the inner workings. I mean, you guys have some pretty. You guys do draft lists. You guys do best prospect lists of prep school and, and all kinds of different things in um, different sites with even high school and stuff, but. You know, maybe talk about, before we get into your opinion on, on you know, just kind of player development and stuff, but the process that goes into some of these draft lists or best 2004 lists or sometimes I see these 2,000 lists and they can be anything from 100. So I think, I, I think I've think i seen 600, 700, maybe more I'm missing. But, you know, how, do, how does that work for someone that's like, wow, how do you even rate all those players? Obviously, you guys have a big staff, a lot of reports, a lot of opinions to, able, to be able to do that. Maybe just kind of a, some insight there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the drafts are one of the, you know, and, and lists, I mean, people love lists, right? They, whether it's scouts or parents, you know, people just seem to really gravitate to lists. So we do a lot of rankings. Um, and for the CHL uh, every region is different. Uh, in Western Canada, obviously doing the WHL draft, you're dealing with such a massive geographical space that you have to lean heavily on your on your you know your head Alberta guy, your head Manitoba guy, your head Saskatchewan guy. They'll come and Marlon will come as the director of Canadian Scouting we'll hammer all the kids. But you know, we're probably our expertise probably goes for the first to the tenth round of the kids we've been able to see. Um we gotta lean on our our regional guys to really tell us who are those bottom of the draft, who are the sleepers. And it's a lot of conversations. It's a lot of back and forth. Um, honestly, it's probably my favorite part of the job is, is debating with scouts saying, well, geez, I didn't, you know, I I don't agree with you. I think they see this and they come back and forth and you have that. And again, that's why you have to have people that really know the game. I get very hesitant when I see, you know, the junior level or, um, you don't really see at the pro level, although you do a little bit, but you see it certainly at the junior level, um, where you've got guys that are scouting that don't know what they're doing. Um, and it's just, to me, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, so we hire guys that know what they're doing. And and you have that dialogue and you trust guys and, and you just kind of go back and forth. Um, and that's kind of our process in the CHL drafts. The Ontario league is much different. Like we have eight guys in Ontario. We've got a director of Ontario scouting and Paul Hagen is amazing. Um, and we just cover, we cover every single major tournament. There's usually like seven or eight. We do all the all-star games. We do, individual games during the week and we just keep a running list from november you know october november we publish it in december and then we go january february we keep that list going and we publish it again before the drafts so we're constantly working on you know okay this guy was better than this guy at this term you know and just keep tweaking it Uh, in terms of national rankings that aren't chl uh, related um it's a similar process you 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 know if you're doing a United States ranking let's say for the 2004s for the NTP team you might say okay here's the 250 best kids and we're constantly talking to with our Minnesota guys and our New England guys and our New York New Jersey guys and we're just you know it's conference calls and back and forth and a lot of stuff and a lot of it comes down to Murph or myself coming to, you know and saying okay how is this Minnesota kid that we liked it national camp that our guy's got as the number one kid in Minnesota how does he compare to this kid in New Jersey that's our New Jersey scout has as the number one player in his region we've seen them both at national camp we've seen them both at um, you know tier one nationals like what do we think and you start working from that perspective so I'd say it's a lot of conversations
0: yeah with a lot of knowledgeable people and, and trying to, like you said trying to come to a full circle on a player and, and seeing where his fit, is, his fit is going to be on that list. I guess like, again, so people understand you literally go everywhere. I mean, I've seen you in Canada, I've seen you all over the United States. I mean, you go to all the best events, you, know, you see a lot of hockey. Um, so kind of transitioning into kind of like development and the state of hockey today. I mean, there's a lot of different programs today. I mean, there's prep schools, there's academies, there's, you know, midget programs. I mean, and, and it's hockey's become very expensive today. I mean, I guess, you know what? What is your opinion on what we're seeing today? And I guess, you know, what would your advice be to some parents, like if they're, you know, considering some some you know different programs? You know, what would be some questions you you would you know suggest they ask, or you know, what should be the most important thing when kids are you know picking? where to play these days and maybe moving away from home and, and, you know, maybe doing online school instead of brick and mortar. Right. it's a, it's a little bit of a sacrifice to go play somewhere. I mean, just like I said, you see so many programs. I'd be curious, your take.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, it's a good question. I I don't know if I'd be the, you know, uh, I'd be hesitant to give any advice to anybody because it's so individual to every player, but I guess from a, from just an overall standpoint, um, I think fit matters a lot. I think it matters. And and not just, you know, how, you know, the hockey team and the coach and all that kind of stuff, but like the league, the, uh, the academic side of things, um, social, whatever. And if I've seen mistakes and I could probably speak to mistakes where kids have gone to the wrong place or done the wrong thing, it's been based on fit. They went to a junior league in a, in an area that they don't, you know, you take a kid from Boston and you put them in, the Midwest and some programs some tiny school and the social life's very different. And he's was a power play guy. And now he's being told to block shots and kill penalties. It's just not the right fit. Um, so I guess I would say fit matters a lot. And I think kids should spend more time on thinking about that. I guess I would, and parents too. I like, for example, um. And you know, Colby, because you're out you're in Chicago. Like, those kids in Chicago, Michigan, you know, they want to play in the USHL. They want to go Division I. Um, But sometimes, like, the USHL is not the right fit for them. They they will be buried on a really good team. They might be better off going to the NA or another league and, and being a first-line guy and, and getting ice time and, you know, playing power play or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's very individual to every kid. But if you have a kid who, you know – was you know, the best player on the Chicago Mission, let's say, and he was on the power plane, he loves scoring goals, and that's his thing, and now you're bringing him out to you know someplace in the Midwest and he doesn't know anybody and he's playing against kids a lot older than him and now he's a you know a shot blocker, fourth line plugger. Well, that's fine if you can adapt and, and grow and learn that role, but if that's not you and you're not ready to play that role at 16, 17, maybe you're not mature enough, and yeah, you're in the USHL. Like, congrats! But at the other side of things, you're miserable. Your game's probably not, you know, developing the way it should. You might be better off playing in another place. You know,
0: yeah. playing at yeah, think... 18
1: or, or whatever, whatever it may be. So, to me, I, I would say focus on fit more than destination, um, and have a longer longer scope. Um, I think kids like really. I shouldn't say, you know, the the whole process seems to be very big on like the next year. Like, what are you doing this year? You know, how's it going to be? And instead of like looking at it from a three or five year perspective, um, yeah, I've heard of kids that are, you know, they're captain of their, say their prep school team or the Minnesota high school team, and they play on the football team and they've got a lot of friends and they're in a great environment. They're doing well in school and they're going to leave to go play in a junior league because it's their NHL draft year and they think it'll help their draft stock and they're going to be like a sixth round pick. Well, I mean, it, that, I mean, if you have a longer term perspective, you'd realize that's nuts. You know, the, being a 6th round pick really doesn't mean anything and what you just gave up, you know, as a kid and, and maybe even as a hockey player to, for that experience, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. If you had a three or a five year vantage point, you'd see that you'd say, no, just stay, stay where you are, you know, enjoy your experience and, and the NHL stuff will take care of itself.
0: Yeah. I think you hitting on the fit thing and, and like understanding the opportunities huge. Like even at the younger levels, like these midget programs, like first off, like, like hockey is obviously a big part of it The coach, but like, where are you going to school? Where are you living? Like it, you want to be happy so you can play your best hockey. But I think one thing you hit on that I I completely agree with is, you know, USAJ obviously best. You could argue one of the you know best amateur leagues in in the world. You know, but it's not for everyone's uh, best development, right? Like you see that you've seen, you know kids from Minnesota they could play in USHL and they choose to go to Penticton or Chilliwack or you know Alberta or whatever, right? Because the program there that they're going to go play for they feel is going to be better for them, uh, opportunity wise, and you know maybe just fit wise. So you know, it's it always comes back to at least in my opinion, this is my opinion. Every kid is different, but. You know what's gonna be best for your development and like where do you want to go right and don't just go somewhere because you want to say i play here or there right um so i think kind of shifting from that into even like there's been articles recently and i'm sure you've read them about again and i'm big on long term like you've mentioned like don't look at this as like one year thing because in a year from now y- you still need something else to develop before you even get to junior or vice versa or whatever like This longer term development path, I always, in my opinion, I always tell people like, hey, 95% of kids are going to get to college at 20, just their path is going to be very different. I mean, can you touch on like, you know, when you guys are scouting and you see kids at 15 and they come up at 16, 17, 18, I'm sure a lot of those kids you're going to see are going to play prep or academy or U18, you know, maybe what are the benefits or that you've seen some kids kind of excel because of that and then make that jump to junior, like how important is embracing that long-term development path and being okay with it?
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think it's, it's probably the thing that's not talked about. Um, And I know there's some good organizations out there like, like college hockey Inc that are trying to highlight those things. I I think they do a good job, but you know, 90% of the attention is on the top 5% of the player pool. So like everybody's focused on what are the best kids, the first round draft picks. Like that's where all the, all the noise is. But if you really break it down, I mean the, the major, the highest uh, junior league of Division One players, is the the North American League. Um, the highest in Division Three is the EHL. So like everyone's focusing on the USHL, the BCHL, like where all the studs are. But the bulk of the league is coming from not those places there's not enough players out of those you know, there's not enough teams there there's sixty division one programs there's only what sixteen u s h l teams yeah um so you you're just I think that the thinking about it from like a 19 and 20 year old, that's going to be the majority of division one. It's not going to be the superstar superstars are going to be there at 18. The next level stars are going to be there at 19, but the bulk of the league is going to be there 20 and 21 years old. Um, so again, yeah, I go back to, yeah, you might be mad at your, you know, prep school coach or your U 16 coach. Cause you want to be on the power player. You want to uh, you want more ice time or whatever, but you got to look at it as, and you're not going from U16 or prep school to your final destination. There's going to be several years of juniors. And you're, you're trying to, you should be trying to just get better as a player. And I, I see it a lot, you know, on us and, and we might even be part of the problem. Um, but kids are always trying to go to these showcase events or do these. And you hear parents all the time, exposure, exposure, exposure. And then, you know, that's good and great. But at the end of the day, you should just be focusing on getting better because at some point, you're going to be good enough that you don't have to worry about exposure. People are going to come and, and want you and see you and, 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 you know, junior teams, everybody is incentivized to win. So they're going to want to get the best players they can get. So I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, where your rating is or where, you know, if you're drafting the USHL at 15, 16, I'd be a lot more worried about where you stand at 18, 19, 20. that makes
0: sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I completely agree with you on, I think the exposure and scouting and stuff is, is kind of takes the primary focus of of parents and players. And I think what people don't realize, like what gets lost in this is development. Like you have to get better. And especially in the off season, like it's okay to go to some of these showcases and stuff, but you know, if you're going to budget some money for the spring and summer, like, go make some development gains off the ice on the ice so when the real scouting happens in season you're you're you know a better player right so no I completely agree with you I think it just kind of gets lost and this because of the world where I think part of that social media websites I mean obviously hockey's a different animal and there's there's still some capacity or some some version of early recruiting you know even with the new guidelines but um, I guess too like you know going back to you know moving from development into kind of you know you see a lot of good players, great players, and studs. I mean, in your opinion, uh, whether it's junior, midget, whatever, I mean, the guys that make it all the way through, and and that's whether they go into college at 18 or 21 and and they end up being – very good college players on whatever role they are, you know, whatever they're really good at. I mean, what are some common traits that you find across those players? I know they could be, one guy could be skilled and one guy could be a two way, one guy could be offensive D and a two way D or, or whatever. But I mean, do you find that these guys have very strong competitive natures? I mean, what, what about their character? Maybe that you hear, like, what are some common themes maybe across those best of the best players?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and Colby, for, from our perspective, um, you know, we watch the players. Obviously, I hear a lot in the ranks, you know, the coaches are telling us, oh, this kid's a punk or this kid's a good kid, but we don't, we don't focus on the off ice stuff. So I couldn't speak to the personality of the yeah. kids. Um, but on the but I'm sure, ball, you know, yeah, I'm sure that piece is is really important for the colleges and, you know, the, those guys. But what I could say on our end is, um competitiveness i mean to me that's the the kids who are tough enough who want to be great um, and that are you know battling through pucks that, that are starting on the fourth line and grinding their way up to the third line and grinding their way up to the second line and the first line um, adaptability is a huge piece um, and the higher you go and you alluded to this earlier you might be the leading goal scorer on your team today but at the next level you're going to have to block shots And you might have to be a a role player. And if you have an attitude about it or you're entitled and think you should be, those kids don't really make it. And I think the kids who do make it are the ones that, okay, you need me to be a third-line player? I'll be a third-line player. You need me to play on the power play this weekend? I'll play on the power play. That can adapt, have a versatile skill set, big, undistinguishable skills. I think that's a big piece. Um, Those kids that are kind of good at everything but don't really pop in any one area, um, at the higher levels, those kids kind of fade out a little bit. You do want to be well rounded. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but I'm just saying kids that that can really bring one thing or a couple of things to the table that really stand out. Um, those players seem to to rise because there's a role for them and whatever their skill is. And then just back to compete level. Kids that really um, really compete, you know on and off the ice that are that want it. Um, and I'll go back to the development for a second. There's such a focus now on a lot of the off ice stuff. And I think that's great. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that. I think these strength coaches do a great job, nutritionists, all this stuff, but it's somewhat of a lot. Like if you can go to the gym all day long. You can have a skating coach, you can do drills, but if you can't think the game and, and you're not competitive when you get on the ice, all those things kind of fade to me. Like it doesn't do a lot for you. If, if you can't skate through a check, you can be the strongest, fastest, whatever. But if you're shying away, when someone comes to hit you in the corner, you're not a hockey player. So like, to me, I, I throw that in my, kind of the competitive side of you got to be a competitor. You got to be tough. You got to be a, a real you know, hockey player. Those are the kids to me that, that I've seen get better and better and better. And the kids who don't get better to me is the kids that don't have the hockey sense, don't have the work ethic and, you know, just get either, you know, they're on the fourth line or whatnot, they get discouraged and they can't adapt. But those are the kids that I see kind of
0: bail out. Yeah. I think, you know, I think too, like the competitiveness. And then I always say like, consistency and reliability right like you can't be a kid that we you know what you're getting five shifts and five shifts who knows right it's like right um, and then obviously having that identity right like having that distinguish distinguishable uh, talent or, or or what are you good at right like what are you what are you going to do for me so no i think what everything you hit on i, I there's a lot of uh, definitely emphasis on that i think at the higher levels and i think too kind of to kind of talk about even just transitioning like kids you see kids going from midget to junior prep to junior I mean midget to prep to junior um I think also I think what people don't realize is you know understanding the the progression of development like kids some to get to USHL like let's just say your USHL prospect some of the best players come out of the NA and before that they played U16, U18 or U16, U18 prep whatever all these different steps beforehand I mean what do you see when kids struggle you know at the junior level coming from a different like what is the biggest thing you see that they struggle with I mean is it the pace is it the the older kids, is it just like a different level for them? I mean, what are they struggling with in, in your eyes?
1: Yeah, I could probably get in trouble here answering this question um, because it's going to take some big generalities. Um, Every everything's different, everybody.
0: but I mean, like I yeah, said, it could but, be a kid whose his body's immature. It could be a kid who yeah
1: high
0: IQ. So I get that. I see
1: like the the New England kids and the and the Minnesota kids, for example, usually have no problem with the skating yeah you know, sure. and that's a huge generality, but like they might have a problem with the hitting because those aren't as physical leagues, a lot more open ice than those those things. Um, but usually, the pace of play isn't a huge concern. It's can these guys play through contact and they play in, in small areas? because um, most of the offense at those levels is all on the rush, and most things are open ice. When you take a Michigan kid, um, again, general making generalities here, Machine kid or a Western Canadian kid, you're not worried about the toughness part. Those kids are typically pretty tough, Um, but it could be the pace of play. You know, they're they're coming out of midget hockey where it's a little more controlled and there's not as much, you know, um, up and down uh, the way you'd see in like a a Dinah-Eden-Prairie game. So I think it depends on the region and and obviously it depends mostly on the individual player, what what the problem is but but i think the biggest is the, the the hockey sense and that that mends itself into you know pace of play that the, every, every decision you're making has to be so much faster you have so much less time in space um where a lot of these and you see with defensemen, they get the puck say in a midget game or, or a high school game they get it they stick handle it they look up ice they take a few strides and they make a pass well, in the USHL, that guy gets that pass and someone's in his face when he has it. So it's, can he make the split-second pass up? Is he reading what's going on before he gets the puck so he knows where it's going the second he gets? You know, that level of uh, play is required at the higher levels. And, and some kids can make that adjustment. Um, and I think the ones that don't think the game very well just rely on their skills struggle. And I think, you know, regional biases – um can come into play like minnesota kids and, and you know you i mean you're in the ushl sure. you saw it probably better than anybody you take a kid and go oh this kid can fly but i'm going to put you know three four you know six foot three six foot four defensemen on them they're going to be tugging them hitting them and dragging at him. can he still fly in that in that circumstance and some can and then some
0: don't i think too like going back to fit i don't think people realize like i'm not going to mention USHL teams by names but there's teams that you know, they prefer guys coming out of junior. There's other teams that – there's some teams that like prep school kids. Like, they pre- they'll take a lot of prep school kids. And there's kids – there's teams that don't care where the kid came from, and they just base it on talent, and, and they don't even care about age, right? So, you know, if you're, you know, putting a puzzle together, and for some reason, you know, usually the teams are pretty good about not drafting kids that they don't think will be a fit. But sometimes it's just – it just doesn't work, right? Like the transition is not going to work because the majority of the kids in the roles and they're they're trying to fill, it just doesn't fit the kid's identity and where he's coming from. It it might just make it a harder time. And I think just understanding that whatever, whoever your support staff is. um, So when you walk in, there's always going to be a transition, but maybe it's just a little bit easier than maybe, you know, team X, Y, and Z and where you're ending up is is going to help you kind of Excel and, and get better and, and take that next step. But I think, you no, know, this conversation has been pretty awesome. I mean, obviously, you know, all the insight you provided is, is great today. I think to kind of round this out, I mean, are there any new plans for neutral zone in the near future distant future? Are there anything you guys are trying to add or do for anyone that maybe is thinking about becoming a member? Um, anything you could touch on or, or guys that you guys are looking to roll out here?
1: Yeah, we're, we're I mean, we're always looking to grow. Um, this was the first year we really had all the CHL drafts <clears throat> and really had, you know, directors in all the different regions. <clears throat> so I felt good about the coverage. I think eventually we'd like to get into Europe. Um, we'd like to expand there. I think we'd like to, uh, add a, uh, component, you know, like a combine pro- proponent where, um, we can get some testing on these kids in terms of, you know, physical testing and strength testing and things like that. Um, and I think we'd like to get into a spot where there's, you know, we can more video uh, stuff on, on their profile uh, things where, you know, um, you know, for saying the kid can fly, then we could show a clip of the kid flying by somebody. So it's, it's more real to the reader. So, I, you know, all those things are things that we'd like to move forward with, but you know, our our core is, is scouting ranking and evaluating players. And, you know, we'll never, that's always going to be our core and our focus.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on here and to kind of close out the podcast, I mean, I'll kind of give you the last word, anything you want to touch on or any advice, or if people are interested in, in neutral zone, maybe give them some direction on on what they can do on social media or your website. I mean, yeah, I'll just give you the last word here.
1: No, th- thanks for having me, Colby. i you know, I'm happy to uh, help your listeners in any way that we can and, and, uh, you know, you guys do a valuable service. And, and I think in the advisor world right now, um, there's always debate back and forth between, you know, you know, what's, what, what do advisors do? How do they help you? And, and the the world's so complicated with hockey right now that you, you, you're a needed uh, thing. Back when there was, you know, three junior leagues and, it, you know, that was one thing, but now there's all different levels and, and you need help navigating where to go so i think you know i think the work that you guys do is important and and i'm hoping the work that we're doing is important and all together can help you know players and families make the most informed decisions that they can make
0: no i completely agree with you it's hockey's uh it's a big business today obviously players want to get to the next level get to the highest levels and i think if if uh you know neutral zone myself paragon sports like we're providing information so people can make the best decisions and, and hopefully, you know, obviously on my end, open up some doors for people to, you know, like I said, there's a lot of players today and you guys do a good job to help coaches and organizations try to sort through it. Um, and and then obviously, advisors that, you know, are, are trustworthy and respectful can make some phone calls. I mean, it, it, it only helps uh, families kind of navigate this this world we're in. So, again, I really appreciate you coming on and, and I you know, obviously look forward to seeing you in the rinks. Thank you to everyone uh, who listened today. This has been another edition of the Paragon Sports Consulting Podcast. Uh, Feel free to follow us across all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Paragon Athlete. Um, And check out our website at ParagonSportsConsulting.com. Really exciting time, uh, brand new website, some great social media being put out. Um, And obviously, uh, if anyone is interested in reaching out, please contact us through our website. And again, that's ParagonSportsConsulting.com. I look forward to uh, putting out another episode here in the near future. Be safe, everybody.